Yeah, Lord, this morning, just as we come around your word, we pray that your word would inspire us and instruct us. That, Lord, as we delve into this series of Vertical Church, that our eyes will continually be drawn heavenward and drawn to you. So, Lord, open your word to us this morning. Open our hearts to receive your message this morning. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series on Vertical Church. We are about four weeks in or five weeks in. I can't remember. I've lost count. And this morning we're going to be talking about the subject of small groups. Who is excited to be talking about small groups this morning? Yeah. I can't actually see you because these lights are so bright. I can only hear you. So if at any time there is audience participation, the louder you are, the better. Um, I am very passionate about small groups. So this morning I might get a little bit excited. Is that all right? This morning I might get a little bit challenging. Is that all right? (laughs) Thanks, Martin. I heard you say no. So if you have your Bibles... We will be starting in Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll be hopping around a little bit, uh, but that's our main passage for this morning. Now, those of you who are new here or are visiting, you might be a little bit confused by what a small group is. I assure you it has nothing to do with hobbits or gnomes. It is about small groups of people, not groups of small people. That joke went a lot better last time. Actually, I was chatting to uh, Pete Kirkpatrick the other day, and he said everyone's small compared to him, but he is like six foot seven, so he's probably right. Um, we're going to be talking about small groups. This, in this church, that's what we call them. You may have heard them called home groups, house groups, cell groups. It's all much of a muchness, but we decided to call them small groups because the word cell became a little bit confusing. Um, it was about biology, nothing to do with terrorists or prisons. So anyway, getting into the word then, if you have your Bibles, we will be starting at verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 10. And hopefully, oh, it's appeared on the screen already, look at that. And it says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Don't you just love it when you read the Bible? It's very short, it's very sharp, and it pretty much says everything you want it to say. I could probably sit down at this point because I think it makes it quite clear in this passage what I'm going to say to you this morning and what I believe the Lord wants to challenge us about. And funnily enough, when I felt drawn to this passage and God was putting on my heart to talk about small groups in this way, I opened my Bible and actually had these verses underlined already. I was like, wow, I must have read these before and thought they were good. So um, pretty much that's it. Uh, Yeah, make sure you motivate one another. Don't stop meeting together and encourage each other. Thank you. No, I'm kidding. There is a little bit more than that. Sorry if you were hoping for a quick finish. Um, So, yeah, let's see what it says. So it says to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now, hopefully, if you're in a small group, you would find that you find those times motivating, encouraging, and they're good in general. Yes, if you're in a small group, do you find those times motivating? Okay. If you're not in a small group, you probably struggle because you won't be meeting with other people to be motivated to acts of love and good works, if you get me. yeah. So what this verse is saying is that it's not about just loving people. It's about an action that goes with it. So we have to be actively loving people. We have to be searching out good works. And what we have in the old uh, style, we used to do small groups, and we still, most of them still do. We had the four W's. Have you, all of you heard of the four W's? Welcome, word, worship, and works. There was sometimes a slightly different one. But part of the basic package of small groups is this idea of works, this idea of service. And so when the Bible here says about motivating us to the good works, it's important that we listen to what the Bible says. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things or the good works he planned for us long ago. And I don't be confused, I'm not saying that good works is what earns our salvation, that's not true. But God created us specifically for a reason, to work for him, to do things for him, to serve other people by acting in love. Do you get me? 
Good. One of the things our small groups do and they get to do um, is serve together and acts of works where they get to serve tea and coffee. Who enjoys serving tea and coffee as a small group together? I can not see any hands. Yeah? Yeah, good. Who enjoys receiving tea and coffee when they come into church? I think everyone said yes, especially now the coffee is amazing. So that's just a simple way in which we encourage our small groups to do acts of good works. One of the other things we try to do in this church is we have the Adopt-A-Block scheme. This is where basically each small group gets assigned an area of Summerstown and they are committed to praying for that area and um, trying to serve the area best they can. And Maybe we'll come back to that a little bit later on. But the purpose in which we need to do these acts of love and these good works isn't just so we feel good about ourselves. It's so that we introduce other people to Jesus. It's so that we keep other people focused vertically, focused looking up, focused on him above. And as we do that as a group together, it becomes a little bit easier because we're not doing it on our own. Do you find things easy to do on your own or do you find them easier to do it if you're doing it with other people? It's always easy to do with other people as long as they're in your team or on your side. So... The second part of this, uh, chap- this verse says that do not neglect meeting together. Now, I did a little bit of research into the book of Hebrews. It was written to some Jews in the first century um, who become Christians. And I can't tell you if in this passage the writer of Hebrews meant don't stop meeting on a Sunday or don't stop meeting in small groups. I think it's possibly safe to assume it's both because the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews to say you must not stop meeting together then. And I don't think anything has changed since then. This morning we sung about how God doesn't change. So I would say that his commands and his directions don't change. So in the first century, if it was important for followers of Jesus to meet together, then I think it's equally important for us to meet together now. Yes? And part of that is a Sunday service. Part of that, I believe, is a small group too. Now, for those of you who know me and know a little bit about me, you may know that I quite like American football. Now, I don't play it, obviously, because I'm not built for playing it, but I love watching it. Oh. And one of the things I love about American football is the fact that this is this team sport and they are so good at getting each other excited. They are so good at getting each other pumped. They are so committed and determined. They get excited, they cheer, they pump each other up. And if you watch like soccer or English football, most of the time they just like argue with each other. If something goes wrong, you see fights, scraps on the pitch. They sort of a group of, you know, they are a team, but they're almost more of an in, a group of individuals. But the point is that as you surround yourself with a team of people, you will be inspired, you'll be encouraged, you'll be motivated. So that's why the Bible says we should not stop meeting together. We shouldn't avoid meeting together. We should be committed to spending time together as a team and as a family. All sports represent that. Now, when I first thought about this, I thought, ah, Martin over here this morning, he loves tennis. And he's like, he's me thinking, hang on a minute, tennis isn't a team sport. Your analogy has fallen short. Well, Martin, you'd be wrong. Because if you all think back a few years ago when Andy Murray won Wimbledon, Someone cheered, someone enjoyed it. When he won, he uh, gave one of those winner's speeches. And you know they always list off a long reel of people to thank. And you know, you've done this for me, you've done that for me. Now I want you to think for a moment. When an athlete is down, when they're injured, or their game isn't quite right, or their tactics have all gone wrong, yes, they're playing in front of a group of people. Yes, they have a crowd around them. And that crowd is only ever going to be so good at encouraging them. That crowd isn't going to be able to physically heal them, spray on the magic spray, get out the sponge. That crowd isn't going to be able to give them any helpful tips on how to play better. They might shout some things, but they're not going to be very good at getting them a better technique. Do you see what I'm saying? So what Andy Murray did was he thanked people like his coach, his physio, his fitness team. Those people are much a part of his team, even though he looks like an individual. You see, those people are the ones that know him best. They know where he needs help in his game. They know where he needs help in his physical fitness, where he needs help maybe to overcome injuries and knocks. And what I'm saying to you this morning is think for a moment 
of yourself like an athlete. It might be harder for some than others. I find that quite hard. But think of yourself as an athlete. Think of yourself surrounded, maybe when you're in church, by like a stadium crowd. It's good to have those people around you. It's good to meet together in this vast number of people because I'm encouraged when we're all singing and worshiping Jesus together. But there are times when my game might be a little bit off, when I might feel a little bit tired, might feel a little bit injured. And it's good to be in a church together, but I want to have a group of people around me that know me best, that I've spent time with, and that can speak into my life and instruct me. And that's what a small group does. That small group is your team of people around you to help you, to encourage you, to guide you, to motivate you. And that's why we should not stop meeting together. You see, following Jesus and our life is all about relationships. I um, was uh, flicking through and reading the Why Jesus book by Nikki Gumbel this week. Um, because, well, we've been talking about Alpha. So if you don't know about Alpha, it's happening on the 22nd of October. That's a little plug for you there, Adam. See Adam afterwards. It starts this Wednesday. If you want to invite someone along, you really should. Anyway, I was reading this Why Jesus book by Nicky Gumbel, and the, the opening pas- uh, page is all about relationships, and it talks about the fact that people are searching for Jesus because we were made for relationship. And that's true with each other as it is for everybody else, that we were made to have relationship with each other. We were made to spend time together as a family, as a team, and it's good to do that. And the Bible says we should be doing that, so that's why. So the final thing that the uh, passage in Hebrews says is that we should encourage one another. And it sort of returns us to where we started, really. You've got this idea that telling us not to stop meeting together is sandwiched between motivation and encouragement, that it's all part and parcel of the same thing. To keep us living in a Jesus-focused way, to keep us living, looking upwards and living vertically, we need the continued encouragement of people around us. I wonder sometimes if I'd be where I am today without some key people around me that have spent time encouraging me as I've grown in my faith. And one of those people who I'm going to embarrass is um, Alex Trowan. And I think back to the time when I was like this sort of 18 semi-regular attender at church. And Alex came alongside me and he invited, forced, encouraged me to uh, go along to his, what was then cell group, this, this guy's cell group, five, six guys who would spend Thursday evenings together looking at God's word, praying together. And there are times when I would say, without Alex's encouragement and motivation to go along to that group, without times where that group prayed for me and served me, I probably wouldn't be here today. Why? Because I would think either no one cares about me or I would have kind of lost sight of it. The, perp- the point of that story is it's really important to get yourself committed to a small group. It's really easy to turn up on a Sunday, which is a good thing and we should keep doing. It's really good to worship together. But in 150 plus people, you can sort of be the most alone you can ever feel. You can, you can sort of appear at the back stay for a few songs, listen to the word and disappear afterwards and not get noticed. In a small group, people will notice you and if you're not there, people will hopefully encourage you and motivate you to come back to where you need to, come back to following Jesus, come back to his word and come back to looking vertically as Alex did for me. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another. In spending time surrounded by other followers of Jesus, your faith will be sharpened. You will find it easier to be looking heaven. You would. You will find it easier to be following Jesus because the very nature of spending time with other believers and other followers of Jesus will sharpen you. It will encourage you and it will motivate you. The purpose of small groups in this church and hopefully in every church is to encourage us to become more Christ-like and to motivate us to serve Jesus better and to do the good works that we've talked about. This makes our small groups totally vertical whilst at the same time encouraging us horizontally if you get me. The, um, 
as I was sort of thinking about small groups, I was thinking, what, what, you know, we talked a little bit about the blessings of small groups. We talked a little bit about the purpose of small groups. And I kind of, um, being with Kylie, the, the people who try to make the small groups happen, try to get people into groups and keep the groups growing, is we're, we're passionate about small groups. We want people to be in small groups because why? Because we want them to be encouraged in their faith. We want them to be serving Jesus and we want them to then for be encouraging and serving others. And I think sometimes in the conversations we have with people in, in our own past as well, you kind of tend to get three excuses why people aren't in a small group. They're the main excuses. And I guarantee you there's an answer for every single one of them. So if you're not in a small group yet, maybe one of these, aren't, maybe one of these reasons or excuses resonates with you as we go through them. The first one is time. Some people aren't in a small group because they don't have the time. Your evenings are precious. Your weeks are precious. You want to spend time with your family. That's fine. The other reason might be that you're not aware of the need. You might think, I'm in a really good place right now. Me and Jesus, we're like that. Everything's cool. Everything is awesome. We don't need anybody else to help me right now. Might be the reason why. The other reason you might be thinking, I don't need to be in a small group, is because I have nothing to offer. You might be thinking to yourself, well, what's the point of me being in a small group? I just bring everybody down. I just make everybody else's evening miserable. And I've got nothing good to give. I've got no reason to be there to serve. I believe there is an answer for every single one of those excuses. And any other excuse you can come up with, if you speak to me afterwards, I'll come up with a better answer for you. (laughs) If you don't have time to be in a small group, then I want to ask you a question this morning that's quite hard to answer. If being in a small group and spending time with other Christians and with Jesus isn't your priority, then how much of a priority is Jesus in your life? I'm not saying avoid, you know, families, ignore friends around you, but also try not to make excuses. If you're committed to following Jesus, if he's the biggest priority in your life, then I guarantee you will find time to spend with him and with other believers. If you're not aware that you need to be in a small group, if you're in a really, really good place and you're rock solid with Jesus right now, don't be fooled into thinking trials and struggles won't come. They will. And at those times, you need people around you And it's good to then join a group if you then feel like you need it. But if you're in a good place right now, if you and Jesus are rock solid, if you are living for him and everything's going really well, then why not join a small group and encourage someone else who's not in that place? Why not join a small group and be able to help other people that aren't in as strong a place as you? The third thing is you may be thinking, I've got nothing to offer. What what can I bring to this group? I tell you what, every single small group leader in this room will be encouraged just by having people in their small groups. And that sounds weird, but they spend time opening up their home. They spend time looking through God's words, preparing a word, a message. They want to serve you. They want to help you. Just by showing up will encourage them. I guarantee that. Just by having someone in their group will be something for them. So if you think you've got nothing to offer, don't be fooled. That's a lie from the enemy. Get yourself in a small group and get in one quickly because they're filling up. As Kyle and I were sort of praying about this, this message um, and this small group stuff, um, Carly felt uh, drawn to a passage in the Old Testament in Exodus, which I think we have on the screen. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus 17. Um, Having read it, I now know why Carly chose this passage, because it's got an unpronounceable word in it, um, which I'm probably just going to skip. So we're starting at verse 8. While the people of Israel were still at that place, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand... The Amalekites gained the advantage. 
Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands were steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. You might be thinking, what on earth has that got to do with small groups? Well, hopefully you'll see the connection that as we've just talked about people's excuses or reasons for not being in a small group, this, this story, this experience of Moses and these guys that were around him and supporting him, I think truly explains and describes how important small groups are. Because if you're one of those people that thinks, well, I've got nothing to offer, you might be like Aaron and her who just kind of stood there for most of the time while Moses held his hands up and Joshua actually did the battle. But then as Moses became tired, he needed people around him. He needed support. And that's what Aaron and her did. They physically supported him so that the Israelites could win their battle. In times in life when you're, when you're down, when you are needing that help, when you are exhausted, when you're at the end of yourself, a small group is the first and best place to get someone to come alongside you, to hold you up, to support you and pray for you. Small groups aren't new. I hate to break it to you, they are not exclusive to this church and they are not exclusive to today. Small groups have been around since pretty much since Jesus formed his disciples. Our small groups are biblically based. So if you've got an argument saying, well, I'm not really sure that small groups have a place in church today. I think they have a place in church today because Jesus had a small group. He had 12 disciples around him, which he spent time with, he ate with, he shared life with, he encouraged and he motivated them to do acts of love and acts of good works, which brings us back to where we started, yeah? Acts chapter 5, verse 42 says, And every day in the temple, from house to house, they, that's the apostles, the disciples after Jesus had gone back to heaven, they continued to preach and teach the message that Jesus is the Messiah. So they met in churches and they met in houses. It's been going on since the very beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth, and nothing is going to change. Following Jesus is a team sport. As I've alluded to before with that example, following Jesus is about a family, it's about unity. That's why Jesus himself prayed for unity among his believers. Your relationship with Jesus, yes, is about you, but you should be using that relationship to bless others, to encourage others, to help others to be looking heavenward and looking upwards to where Jesus is. As we draw to a close, I want to invite Gaz and the worship team to come up. There's just a couple of other things that I felt God wanted me to share. And that as I looked into this passage, in the very beginning of the, the Hebrews verse, it says about motivating each other to acts of love. I began thinking about what, what, what is an act of love? What, what does it mean? And I felt God really impressed on my heart that the greatest act of love was Jesus' sacrifice, wasn't it? The fact that Jesus gave up everything in heaven, came to earth and died on a cross. I think the greatest act of love that we can possibly give is to tell other people about what Jesus did, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but I find it a lot easier to be inspired and motivated to do that by meeting with other people who do that, by meeting with other Christians who spend time looking heavenward. So close, I just want you to think for a moment about living vertically. And life sometimes in all its distractions and dilemmas can be vertically challenged. It can stifle our growth and our progress and our relationship with Jesus. And it's good, as I said, to be here on a Sunday, but there are like six other days of the week. Between a Sunday and a Sunday, there are things that are going to come up in the way, things that are going to stop you from growing in who to Jesus has created you to be. Jesus has created you for acts of love, for good works, as the Bible says. So you need some encouragement and some motivation, as I do, during the week in between those two Sundays. A small group is the best place. It enables us a chance to be encouraged to look vertically and to grow into who Jesus has created us to be. We're going to worship in a minute, so I'm going to pray to finish, um, and then we're going to have some time to worship. Yeah, Lord, I thank you that your word inspires us and encourages us. 
I thank you, Lord, that you didn't create us to follow you and then just leave us on our own. You instead surrounded us with a family, with a team. And Lord, I just pray that as, as we worship you now, Lord, that we would just feel inspired and encouraged to motivate one another to serve you better. But Lord, those of us who have excuses or reasons why we haven't yet been in a small group or we're not in one right now, I pray, Lord God, that you will just enable us to join a small group to serve you better and to live vertically for you. Amen.